You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 106. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Anne, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm a business consultant and coach who has helped hundreds of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months and then on to six-figure years without burning out in the process. At some stage, you can't keep running your business on your own, and building a team will be needed in order to grow and scale up. In fact, it will become imperative. Most of us start out as solopreneurs, creating a side hustle, working from home full time, or you know, running a physical business while still in the corporate world or juggling kids, whatever that scenario looks like. But the common denominator, though, is when we begin our business journey, it's just you, you and only you, the sole person responsible for working for and running your business, making every single decision within your business, being the social media manager, the product developer, the web developer, the videographer, we do it all. You get the picture. And you see, some people are perfectly content with flying solo, but flying solo also limits you from reaching the full potential for your business. I mean, how can you grow your business and increase revenue when you're juggling multiple responsibilities throughout the day? And those responsibilities, I'm not even talking about if you're trying to juggle motherhood. To build a business, you'll have to stop wearing so many hats and have enough trust to take someone on to help you with all of the responsibility. But the question will be, to create a team remotely, or to create a team locally. And this is why I knew I had to bring on Nicole, who is the co-founder of Webinar Ninja and the $100 MBA podcast. Nicole and her amazing husband, Omar, have built the most incredible remote team. And on today's podcast, we're going to dig into how do businesses know if a remote team is right for them? What are the benefits of having a remote team? What are the challenges? And she's also going to share with us the key ingredients needed to run a successful remote team. But before we hop straight into this amazing episode, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy this episode, I'd love for you to share your key takeaway, a fun fact, or anything that you'd want to share about the podcast over on Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag me at Angela Henderson Consulting because you would put a smile on my dial. Also, this episode is sponsored by my brand new spanking program, Instagram Mastery for Business Owners with Angela Henderson. That's right, me. A step-by-step guide for getting you visible, getting you booked, and growing your business with Instagram, all for a one-time payment of, that's right, 27 buckaroogies. You see, many business owners struggle to understand Instagram and are left feeling overwhelmed, deflated, or just posting with no strategy at all, which means no results for your business. This simply doesn't have to be the case. In my brand new program, Instagram Mastery for Business, owners, I'm going to teach you all about how to get started with Instagram, how to nail your Instagram bio, four ways to use Instagram for business growth, what types of content you should be posting on Instagram, understanding what time to post your Instagram content, how to optimize your content with hashtags, how to plan and schedule your content on Instagram, and how to measure your data and results on Instagram. There's a module for each of these topics that I mentioned above, which includes a short 10 to 15 minute video and a PDF guide so you can map out your Instagram strategy ASAP. Not to mention this program also comes with four amazing bonuses, my 30-day guide of different Instagram content ideas, my 30-day guide for call to actions, my top 10 free stock image guide, and also my ideal client guide to ensure you understand your ideal client in order to make sure that you're posting the right content on Instagram to grow your business. As I mentioned above, you can grab this amazing Instagram mastery for business owners platform for just $27. To secure your spot, make sure you head to bit.ly, B-I-T, full stop L-Y, backslash Instagram course for business owners. Again, that link to secure this amazing training for just $27 can be found at bit.ly, B-I-T, full stop L-Y, backslash Instagram course for business owners. And I'll be sure to put the link in the notes section of the podcast, just in case you missed it too, over at AngelaHenderson.com.au. Now let's jump into this amazing episode with Nicole and I talking about all about remote teams and how they can help your business. Welcome to the show, Nicole. 
Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, Angela. Gosh, thank you so much for making the time to come on board. I appreciate it. And, you know, just as a pre-note to all of you listeners out there, if you do hear screaming or fighting in the background, we are in the middle of uh, adapting to homeschooling and, uh, you know, coronavirus. So I do just want to pre-warn the listeners. Again, don't mind the battle in the background if you do hear it. But I'm all about adapting, Nicole, something we were just talking about before we hit record. And you adapt, you make it work in business. And that's what you're doing with your business. That's what I'm doing with my business. And again, that's is what's going to, again, I believe, separate those who are here in six months' time and those who aren't. So uh, yes, anyways, World War III hopefully will not break out today. Now, how are you and that amazing hubby of yours, Omar? Oh, we are good. Thank you for asking. Um, we, are, we are super busy at the moment, um, you know, super uh, grateful for, you know, the business that's continuing to grow for us. So we're, we're fortunate in that way. Um, but it's not without its challenges, but we are okay. You know, we came out of forced self-isolation the other day. So we were able to go outside and get some uh, fresh air, um, mm-hmm. which was really good. Um, but yeah, we're doing good. Thank you. Yeah, no, fantastic. No, you, you, Omar and I, we first met back at We Are Podcast. I was trying to think about when we first kind of crossed paths and it was at We Are Podcast and we were speaking there and then we kind of saw each other a couple of times, actually. The first time I actually didn't have a podcast when I saw you guys. And then the second year I was only on episode nine, I believe. And then I was speaking there with you guys. And, you know, it's been such amazing thing to, again, our relationship to continue to develop, but also to see the amazing stuff that you guys are doing with Webinar Ninja and of course the podcast. And so it's so good to have you on today to be able to talk about, yes, how to build a remote team, which is such a great topic considering the times we are in. But one of the things, Nick, though, is that I have before I hop on to the nitty gritty about our podcast today is I always like to ask a fun question when a guest is on the show. So I just find it is a great way for the audience to get to know you a little bit more. Um, and so my question to you is, as I know you and Omar, Omar, sorry, have just come back from beautiful Japan. Your images were absolutely amazing on both Instagram and on Facebook. You had me like drooling, do you know what I mean, with some of those things. So I just want to know is what did you love most about your time in Japan? Oh, wow. Um, it was, yeah, it was amazing. Um, what did I love? Oh, there's just so many things to love about Japan. I think, um, the crazy thing is for me was that that was my first time back in Japan after almost 20 years. Cause I had lived there, um, at, back before entrepreneurship days, I was an English teacher. So I, um, you know, so going back after 19 years, um, was really special for me. And Omar had never been, it was on his bucket list. Um, so I got to have that experience with him and, um, just, you know, walk down memory lane, um, you know, with all the things we love, what's not to love. I think the, the food, um, just the calm, especially in this time. Cause I know, you know, you're recording this ahead of time. This was just at the beginning of like, before things have kind of uh, taken off with uh-huh. COVID, um, yep. just seeing the way the Japanese handle, like, and Japanese society has handled that whole situation. Um, you know, I was getting reports of what was happening here in Sydney and all the panic buying, and it was kind of the direct opposite there. Everything was very calm. Um, so one of the things I do love about Japan was that there there is just this overall sense of just calm mm-hmm. and quiet and consideration for others. And it's just this beautiful thing that you just really feel. Um, and and I'll just end on the fact that Omar and I really needed that break, Mm -hmm. (laughs) really, really burnt out. So I think the most, the, what we loved the most about it was just being able to unplug and be so fortunate that our team was able to just carry on, nothing burned down. Um, and, you know, so we're very fortunate that way that we got that opportunity um, mm-hmm. before we've come back to just like a very different um, landscape now in business. Do you find too, like you mentioned about in Japan, how there's that essence of calm and whether or not that's a cultural, you know, variable, et cetera. But I do find even in Australia, because that's where we both live, is that I'm finding Australia is getting calmer. I don't know how to describe it, Nick. But what I mean by that is, is there's this essence of we've been forced to slow down in many ways, right? We've been forced to really assess financially. We've been forced to assess our health. We've been forced to assess our businesses. And I think with that, though, there is panic. I think, you know, even with my own clients is that there's this essence of calm. There's an essence of maybe we actually need to slow down in order to speed up and that it's okay to slow down. Something that our culture in Australia doesn't do well. Have you noticed that or what are your thoughts about that? No, I agree. Um, 
I think it's always also what you choose to consume. So maybe I was probably seeing things or being sent, um, you know, tweets and memes and, you know, news reports that maybe fed that kind of um, led me to believe that that that's what was going on because mm-hmm. I think you're right. Um, I noticed this especially coming back that um, you're forced to now just reassess what's important and the, and it means that all those things that used to fill up your day, that you think, I've got to get to that, I've got to get to um that's that's next on the list that kind of sense of urgency has kind of really dissipated because if if that's a word um (laughs) i think it is yes (laughs) because now we're just forced to focus on what's what really matters um and there's definitely a, a lot more sense of i don't know community and 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 reaching out that even personally i think i was guilty of being quite bad at that like reaching out on social, um, staying in touch more. I feel like I've done that so much more in the, in the last two weeks than I ever have. So I agree. Yep. No, I think there's an essence. I mean, I think there's always things that can come, do you know what I mean, from shitty situations, right? It's about what, how we look at it, the take we look at it. and But no, collectively, I think, again, the world is going to be much better off I do believe in when this all do to mean dies down. Now, listen, so now that we love Japan, obviously we can't get on planes right now to go because of restrictions, but when we can, I'd love for you to share with me a little bit about you and Omar's, uh, you know, business journey from where you were and, you know, when you first started out to where you guys are now, because you guys are doing some pretty amazing things. Oh, wow. Um, so Omar and I actually both started out in um, education. So we were both uh, teachers at the high school and university level. We both resigned at the same time because we wanted to pursue something completely different. He'd already been side hustling, uh, building businesses on the side while he was a teacher, but I was just a teacher. That was kind of my thing. And, um, and I wanted to do something creative. So when we both resigned, we both happened to go to, well, Omar was returning home to New York and I was leaving um, Dubai at the time to go to New York because I wanted to study film. I thought, what's the most creative thing I can do from as a break from teaching? So we met kind of and teamed up in New York. I, you know, went to New York Film Academy. I did a very short course and I kind of started working right away. Like it really changed my, my world. Um, you know, I completely left teaching and that was my thing. I was going to be a freelance videographer. So he was building something on the side as well, a consulting business. And we just kind of naturally came together to like, I would ask him for advice when I was, you know, on, on freelance gigs, basic things like, what do I charge? They're asking me how much I charge. And I was like, such a basic question. Right. But I didn't know how to handle those conversations. So he had that angle to it. And then he was working on consulting projects and I would kind of, you know, give my opinions on whether it was web design, logo design, just, you know, the things that I felt like I could, you know, have an opinion about. Mm. So we naturally kind of were helping each other and working together. And, and then, um, at one point Omar had the idea of starting, um, he had dropped out of Wharton business school cause he'd gone, he was pursuing an MBA and then his marketing professor said, look, you don't, you don't, why, why are you here? If you want to be an entrepreneur, you don't need an MBA. So he kind of thought, well, you know what, I, I'll drop out and I'll start my own kind of you know, simple foundational MBA for entrepreneurs, teaching the basics of, of business. So he approached me with that idea and, and he wanted me to shoot the videos for it. He created the course outline. And that's kind of when we first started um, our first business together, which was a $100 MBA uh, online business training and community. So I shot all the videos and um, we built that community, that membership. And um, from there, we, we, we had a failed podcast. <laughs> We then created the um, $100 MBA show podcast, which, you know, surpassed, um, you know, the $100 MBA video um, membership um, in terms of popularity and, um, and, and an audience. And then kind of, you know, while we would um, still working to get members for the $100 MBA, we started playing around with webinars and um, he put something together, very basic um, to create our webinars for the $100 MBA community to grow its membership. And um, it was when someone asked like what he was using for for this webinar. This was back in 2014 and it was something that he just slapped together really with him and a freelance developer. And then when they said, can I buy it? That was when we just kind of thought, okay, there's an opportunity here to fill a need, to fill our own need. Um, and Webinar Ninja was born. 
Mm-hmm. That's in a nutshell. The two, the two things that keep us most busy, Dane. Coach, most busy. I mean, don't underestimate that. Do you know what I mean? Or don't undersell yourself, my friend, because I mean, the downloads alone that you guys get on the $100 MBA show is like staggering, right? Not clearly, I don't have that done in front of me, but you guys get a shit ton of downloads. You guys get a shit ton of people, do you know what I mean, that need webinar services. I mean, you guys are doing absolutely brilliant. So, you know, it is, it's amazing to see you guys just grow, do you know what I mean, every single day, do you know what I mean? So, no, don't underestimate that you guys are doing awesome well thank you thank you it's yeah no thank you I guess we just you know we're always looking forward and you so when you asked me that question how did you start I was like oh my god I haven't thought about the beginnings for a very long time now (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like again so you guys started was it 2014 when all this kind of started to unravel and come together yeah we launched um we launched at the end of 2013. Yeah. 2014 was when we launched the hundred dollar MBA. And then in August of 2014, we launched the podcast. Um, and we were very fortunate, you know, that by the five months into the podcast, we won best of iTunes as a, as a recent debut. Um, so that was, that was huge. That was very significant for us. It's, you know, a moment that I'm very proud of. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And obviously through this growth since 2014, I mean, six years of growth is, you know, building a a team, any team, let alone a remote team would have had to been imperative for your growth. But how did you know when you guys started? I mean, you guys were, like you said, travel, you were both over in the US at that particular stage. How did you know that a remote team is needed versus like, say, building a local team? Because I know, you know, businesses out there are going to be wondering, like, how do you know the difference, you know, and how did, and what did that look like for you and Omar? It's a good question. I, um, I mean, yes, I was an Australian, um, you know, with a visa working in the U S Omar was from the U S I don't know if that had anything to, I don't know if we actually really thought about that, like actually intentionally wanting to have a business that could be relocated at any point, which is what we did in 2016. And mm-hmm. we were very lucky to be able to do that because the team was remote. So it was very easy for us to leave San Diego. We started in New York and then we we're in San Diego and then we came to Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, which was coming home for me. So at the time, I don't think that was like, I really think it was um, more so just out of necessity. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't, oh, let's open up an office. we I genuinely didn't have the, the, the resources we were working out of our, uh, I mean, we worked in a, a studio apartment in New York and then in a one bedroom in, in, in San Diego. So, you know, opening up an office wasn't an option. So I think we just started hiring. I think from that first, uh, freelance developer from our first hires with the hundred dollar MBA, um, by hiring those uh, remote um, team players, we realized, okay, we can just hire the next one and then the next one. I don't think we set out to, we're going to have a remote team. It just was out of necessity, I think, at that stage. Gotcha. And so for those businesses out there that are like, all right, I'm local, you know, I could do it local or I could do it remote. Again, let's kind of look at the benefits that you have seen by doing it remotely. And then I also want to talk a little bit about the challenges, because I think for those of you that might be sitting on the fence, like I personally have teams. And when I say teams, I'd say more contractors. But for example, my podcast team, though I contract out to them, I'm in contact with them every single week, but they were lo- they're local to Australia because it was important for me just to same time zone, same whatever, but I also equally have people, do you mean that work overseas? So I'd love to know a little bit more about what have you found since bringing on your team back in, you know, 2014 and you're starting to build it. What are some of the benefits you found by having a remote team? Yeah, because I'm, I'm really passionate about this. I definitely think the vast majority of businesses could have and lean much more on a, on a remote workforce. I think the number one thing was access to a greater talent pool. You're literally you know, drawing your talent from, from the, from the world, um, versus your local community. And, and I would, and that's really apparent and that's really important for say the women on injured side of things where you're trying to find skilled engineers. Um, so, you know, having to be able to, to, you know, hire from, you know, the, the whole world is, is, is awesome. The other thing that has also come about is really, I think the product, the way the product has evolved um, has naturally had more of a global perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been developed from people who are literally in all the corners of the world, nine different time zones, engineers in, um, in, in Belarus, the States, designer, our designers in, in Bulgaria, um, we're here in Australia. Um, you know, the, the fact that you can have a global perspective an input on your product 
I think makes it far more viable to export it to be able to to reach um, you know gr- big greater markets. Um, there's definitely less overhead. You know, Omar and I had this experiment once. We thought, oh, let's let's you know, why don't we you know op- try and have a, an office here in Sydney? <laughs> So we did. We went, we uh, rented an office space and we did, we did this for about six weeks. It was insanely expensive. There was absolutely no um, benefit that we saw in actually leaving our home office other than losing time to commute and get ready and, and, and all of that. Um, and then there was just that cost and it was just like, okay, there's definitely a lot less overhead in having um, a remote team. The flexibility, I mean... The fact that, you know, you're able to have round, like round the clock coverage, like we have support team that works 24-7, we'll have engineers that are awake when we're asleep. That's huge, especially as a technology company, to be able to know that there's always someone on that gives a lot of um, confidence to your customers that, okay, these guys, you know, their office hours aren't nine to five in Sydney. <laughs> Dude, so, 100%, exactly right. Like, oh, I'm about to go on a webinar. Oh, but they're closed. Oh, if my tech goes down, what does that mean? Like it would have to be a benefit when you're even selling the product, right? To be able to say, actually, we've got team, you know, we're open 24 seven. So, you know, it's, you know, like just that trust and credibility factor in that main point alone would be great from a selling perspective. Yeah. And just being able to like all those costs that, you know, you're able to reduce and you're able to reinvest into your team um, and, you know, give back as perks instead of, you know, the electricity and then keeping the lights on in an office and, and all of that um, is huge. It's huge. I don't think we would have been able to, even though we have been around six years, to have saved our first team retreat that we did last year and take everyone to Bali um, if, you know, if we had a physical office. I don't think that event would have happened. Yep. And I also think that you mentioned something that I think is so important, but people overlook it is the essence of time, right? We're all, well, not that people don't look at it because I think we're always mindful of, it, but I think when you get in like the nine to five grind and you're just driving, it becomes just normal, right? You almost desensitize to it. But then when you have to start like driving 30, 40 minutes in traffic one way, 10 minutes to try and find a car park, 10 minutes up to the office, another 30, 40 minutes back. You could ideally be spending an hour to two hours a day just commuting. And that, do you know what I mean? Over a week is 10 hours. Over a month, that's 40 hours. Over a year, that's almost 500 hours that you could be growing your business, right? Or going to the gym or having freedom, whatever it looks like for you. But 500 hours is a shit ton of hours that you could be saving by having a remote team. 100%. Oh my gosh. And let's not get started how long it takes to get ready. (laughs) (laughs) There's like roll out, throw the slippers on and we are good to go. Exactly right. So, I mean, I think there's something to be said about just the time factor. I mean, all those other benefits I think are equal of importance, but I just think time, we forget too often when everything becomes normalized. I know when I was still working my full-time job, it was 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back. And then someone said to me, well, you're actually working six days a week. And I said, I don't, I said, I don't know. No, I work five days. I go Monday through Friday. They're like, no, your drive time, an hour and a half each day is equivalent to a whole nother day of work. Wow. And it was then that I was like, I was already on my exiting plan and doing all that anyways, you know, but that was like, oh my God, he's right. Like I'm actually working six days a week. So it's, um, yeah. And again, if you also look at another friend of mine was saying about like, if you look at your effective hourly rate, right is if you are, your wage, let's just say is $100,000 and you divide that by a 40-hour work week, but if you divide that by, do you know what I mean, a 48-hour work week, your annual salary or your hourly rate is much less. And it was it's like that also in itself was, I was like, oh, that's not actually what I truly get paid, right? So it is, it's so many things. Now, what have you found are the challenges you've been faced with when running the remote team? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not without its challenges for sure. Um, I'd say the number one has been the time zones. Okay. Yep. It sounds trivial, but as the team grows and as you move across more time zones, um, come meeting, it becomes even more important because we're all about having a ton of communication, even though we're remote. Um, we, we schedule department meetings, we schedule all all hand meetings, like an all hands once a month. Um, we're talking to each other all the time, pretty much. So the time zone issue becomes, an, you know, is a factor to consider. So for example, when we do our all hands, um, 
it's 1am here for Omer and I. So <laughs> might not be at our best, but we want to accommodate the rest of the team. And for our, um, our teammates in, in Los Angeles on PST, it's like 6am for them. So it's kind of okay. So we're at the opposite ends. That's like the, you know, we make, we make it work, but that's the challenge. Um, I definitely think there was, um, I didn't realize how important, um, communication, like communication is everything. Uh, you just cannot assume that someone will understand or infer what you, what you mean. It just, it's so different when you're in person or if, you know, you should go side by side, you know, you share like a space in, in an office and you can kind of see facial expressions or overhear a conversation and you, and you kind of can, there's all these other, other um, communication mechanisms that happen when you're in a, in a physical space that don't happen when your team is remote. So you need to be really conscious of uh, what you're communicating, how often and making it everything really explicit. So I think some of the, the challenges too have been when we've hired and not paid attention to the communication skills of that um, teammate written and verbal like they really they, they were lacking there and, and and it does affect their work it affects you know communicating with other team teammates it's a whole domino effect um attention women in business get ready to ignite your success and elevate your game join me for an exclusive three-day women in business conference from october 31st to november 2nd at the breathtaking gold coast australia Designed exclusively for online business owners, service-based business owners, coaches, consultants, and course creators. What to expect at this amazing three-day Women in Business Conference? Expect an immersive experience filled with fun, empowering keynote speakers, interactive workshops, networking opportunities with other successful business owners, gain valuable insights, forge meaningful connections, and leave inspired to take your business to new heights. 12 speakers have already been announced with five more speakers being announced shortly. We have Steph Taylor joining us, Anita Seek joining us, Lisa Cordiff joining us, and not to mention Manny from Sound Healing Australia, who will be there for the most magical sound healing experience ever. You do not want to miss the event of the year for women in business. To secure your ticket, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au today. So how much of it? So I know you talked about like time zones, you talked about the communication, how much on top of that, the communication factor, the layer of cultural differences too that you guys are having to manage. Have you noticed much of that or not really? Mm, That's a really good question. No, we have, because there's definitely cultural differences. Um, Like, for example, I know when I, uh, my lady from the Philippines that is my VA for my other business, Finley and me, I know like what I found is, is I would much rather just get on Zoom and have a conversation really quick and be done with it. And I start like, she just kind of kept like avoiding it at the beginning. It was like, why does she keep like, and then I was kind of getting cranky. But then another friend of mine also has a lady that works for her from the Philippines. And she has found that some Filipinos, not all, do you know what I mean? Because that's not fair to say everyone, but they just, they would rather written communication than the video. So I thought, okay, well, I don't want to assume that that's the case, but I called her, I was like, oh, do you prefer, like, what, what do you prefer? And she's like, actually, I hate video. It really freaks me out. It's nervous. I don't know how to do eye contact, you know? So I don't necessarily think it was directly cultural, but it was something to be mindful of, right? Because, um, yeah, like, just because I think it's easy for me doesn't mean that it's easy for them. Oh, 100%. And so that comes down to making that clear upfront before you even hire the person. Because if you expect, if you want to be able to to meet on video, because that's how we do things around here and that's really important that we meet face-to-face, if that person isn't willing to do that, then I think you have the opportunity to make a call. You either say, okay, I'll still take this person on or, or not. And I know that sounds really like kind of hardline, but I remember um, we were at a running remote conference a couple of years ago and and meeting. Um, oh, I can't remember the company. It, it doesn't matter. But this this particular team had had a teammate who wouldn't show um, his face. Well, they actually didn't know if it was a male or female. They didn't know. <laughs> okay. Working for the company for nine years, producing great work. They'd never seen him or her ever. And wow. And that blew my mind. And and this is a company that's doing really, really well. And the founder was really okay with that. I was like, okay, I'm not okay with that. I, and I couldn't be okay with that. So it's fine. There's no right way to build a remote team. There's no right way to build a business. It's really 
and the, the founders and the leaders choice of how you want the company to go, the, the kind of culture that you create. So the fact that we're very insistent on, um, you know, communication via videos, uh, being able to see each other, communicating a lot on the tools that we use, whether it's Slack or Basecamp, that forms our company culture. And I know that from like teammates that have started when like one of the, you know, I'd, I'd kind of interview them along the way, like, what, what have you enjoyed about working here? The emojis in the communication was something they highlighted. I, I like the fact that you guys communicate a lot because it can be very isolating and very lonely for someone who is working alone. And I know for myself, as, as I'm building my team and we're going through the growth stages, there's also something to be said that when you go from solopreneur to growing the team, you also, your own role description changes immensely, right? You go from doing everything to really being able to hone in on your own zone of genius and that skill set that you have to bring to the growth of the company. So I know for myself, one of the things that I'm noticing is that you have this team. And if I was in an office, like we have regular team meetings, don't get me wrong. And we, you know what I mean? But I'm not very good with like, say, Slack or checking in or doing things like that. And that's been a big transition for me over pretty much like the last kind of six months where I've had to sit back and go, hold on, I now have to go into a leadership role, right? And I don't, this is one of the things that I've been talking about on the podcast is I don't think anyone really tells you about this. All of a sudden you're just like, okay, I'm in here, I'm here and I've got a team, but what does that mean? And I think it is so important. So one of the things, like I just hired a lady in Canada and I was, she actually started at time of recording uh, two days ago. And I said to her, listen, Shannon, I said, um, I'm still working on the whole leadership skill set. I don't have the pom poms and the cheerleader, you know what I mean? Uh, part done well yet. I said, I'm still learning. Cause I'm just kind of like, Oh yeah, they're just doing their job. They're good. I said, but you guys probably want a little bit more contact. And I said, no, I'm putting mechanisms in place to meet that. I said, but just know it hasn't happened yet. Because again, it is a big change going from probably you and Omar, do you mean talking to yourself to then speaking with other people? You've got time zones, you've got different cultural things. Like people do want to be like, good morning, how are you? Because you would do that in an office, right? right. Um, and so again, I know for myself, it's one of those growing stages where I'm like, yeah, they probably, whereas I'm just kind of like, I could easily not talk to anyone and I would be okay with that. Just like do your job and let's rock and roll. What? But as you build the team, right? I think it is that whole culture and what it stands for, what your values are, your mission, how you're you know, weaving that in even when you interview so important. But anyways, it's still a work in progress for me. I'll get there one day is what I say. But uh, yeah, but people don't, I just, I just want to touch on it because I know a lot of people will say to me, but Angela, it looks like you've got everything under control. Everything's great. And so I try where I can show where there's things that I too, Nick, am working on. And this is one of those things is that, yeah, you're just told that you're now the leader, then you got to lead the team. And they want definitely, do you mean a little bit more than probably what I give them? So uh, <laughs> yes, we're working on that one. No. Now, I do want to talk to you about your team though, Nick, just I guess a side thing again, as we talked about some of the benefits, you know, with obviously being able to, you know, have more time on your hands because you're not commuting, you're commuting, sorry, you're saving money on overheads, etc. And then obviously there's challenges that you talked about, time zones, communication. But I just have a curiosity, how many total team members do you have? Um, we are 19, I believe. 19. How many, and how many countries are they from? Um, the, 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 I should know all these stats off the top of my head. Uh, US, Belarus, uh, Philippines, Bulgaria, Slovenia, that's five. Australia, that's six. Dude, that's pretty fun. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 How cool is that? So 19 team members over, do you know what I mean? Six different countries and how many different time zones is that equal? Nine. It's nine time. No, the time zones are nine. Oh my goodness, dude. Yeah. Cause you're up at 1am. Do you know what I mean? Doing the cheerleading stuff. Do you know what I mean? So uh, yeah, 1am. I would remember that too, my friend. <laughs> Now, would you mind sharing, like, I know you've talked a little bit about culture and you talked a little bit about communication, but I'm going to, I don't like to assume often, but I'm going to suspect there's certain things that you and Omar have come up with, do you know what I mean, that are what I would say is probably the key ingredients for building a remote team that others such as myself, do you know what I mean, need to take in consideration in order for it to work the best it can. Obviously, yes, there's always going to be problems. I mean, that's the life of business, but what key ingredients have you guys found that are a necessity when it comes to building the remote team? Um, oh, it's a good question. I definitely, we rely on certain tools and mm -hmm. that can be really overwhelming. Sometimes you think, Oh, I've got to buy this. I've got to buy that. But you know, we started with using just all the free tools out there and, and you can still, and a lot of the tools that we use are free. Mm -hmm. We might, you know, G suite apps. 
um, you know, as your business grows, of course, and the needs grow, yes, you'll start having to pay for certain features. Uh, but definitely uh, the tools that we use for communication, like project management, like Basecamp, uh, Slack for certain communication, especially for engineers. They love snack, a Slack. <laughs> Is that what you need? You need a snack, Nick. We need a snack. No. <laughs> I can hold on. I have been, my stomach hasn't been grumbling during the <laughs> um, So definitely uh, a good set of tools and keep, and then being mindful of every tool that you adopt because it gets really overwhelming if you start, okay, we're going to use this now. We're going to use, so just really being clear on the tools that you really need um, and keeping those even to a, a minimum. I think one mistake we kind of made is not having our SOPs and all the kind of systems and playbooks written out as we were building and as we were growing. So it's kind of come now that it's like, oh, as the team is growing and you know, I, I, we, I should have hired an EA very early on. I, that's mm-hmm. another massive mistake that I made. <laughs> you know, hired that role for, for that role way too late. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm now getting her. She's awesome, Romina. Getting her to actually, um, you know, create the SOPs because as the team grows, um, you know, new people come on. How do we do this? Oh, okay. Well, it's in here. This is where the instructions are. Mm-hmm. So, Doing that early on is really important, and just really working hard to work on your communication. I know, you, I know, you said like you know we all there's lots of things that I do wrong. I make mistakes every single day, but there's one thing I've been really conscious of is how I communicate with the team, how I make sure I check in with them, um, how we have systems for just saying good morning on like there are amazing tools like Basecamp where there's a campfire and that's where everyone as soon as they log on they just say hey morning and with an emoji and it just goes such a long way um given that the fact that that person is working on their own in a room by themselves you know totally somebody replies to that hey good morning hey it's you know raining here today or no it's sunny here or whatever um so just really being mindful of communicating and communicating frequently Mm -hmm. and do you for you is what does frequently look like for you guys obviously first thing in the morning uh but do you guys also have like weekly team meetings and then do you guys i mean I know last year, I think after we were at We Are Podcast, you guys are heading to Bali, I think a couple of weeks mm-hmm. after maybe, I think it was. Yeah, How right. important do you think it is in order to really build a remote team to not only have the virtual stuff that you've been implementing, but equally being able to have like live events or live get togethers? Did you see a big difference like as in team growth and team connectiveness when you did that last year? Huge, huge. Uh, it was. It's one of kind of the regrets of the kind of what we're going through now is that we had to cancel our, well, postpone, I won't say cancel, postpone our um, second team retreat. So yeah, we've been around for, you know, we've had teammates for five years with us. And last year was the first time we all met in person. And the warm fuzzies, I can't tell you, like nothing tops that. <laughs> it was totally. amazing to finally meet people uh, in real life uh, for the first time. So hundred percent if, um, and, and that's what, and after we, the retreat, we, we, we had our first retreat. It was like, oh, we've got to do this again. And we immediately started planning for the second one because there is, yes, there's a huge cost, but the value that you get back and the value that the team gets, um, the connections they've made, the stories, the photos, the memories, uh, there's nothing, you know, it's unparalleled. So hundred percent being able to get together is important, but I feel like we're a very connected team just because we do make the effort. We have department, weekly department meetings, mm-hmm. um, our teammates within their own department will meet the, the, the dev team will do standups. Um, we always check in like good morning kind of thing on base camp. Um, you know, when you're starting your day, I'll always check in with my EA. Um, and then once a month we've, this was kind of, this was kind of new with last two years that we've been doing this or a year and a half, the monthly all hands. Um, and that's really just everybody's on, Everybody gets to, you know, have like share wins, updates. We get to, you know, give updates to the whole team, what's going on, what's the latest, what we're focusing on. You know, we revise our like strategic goals. Um, so it's really important that everyone gets on the same page and, and having that monthly um, has been awesome. Really, really awesome. Like you feel that everybody's like, I know the direction we're moving in. I think we did that 
too late as well. So, and that's that. something that I know when I was reading again, one of the books that I've been talking about recently, because again, it's funny how you have sort of materials and you just, you're not ready to kind of hear them or take in that value that the book has or whatever that tool is that you're receiving the information from. But my big book over the last kind of six to seven months has been Traction. And the second book to that is Rocket Fuel, right? And, and again, Traction talking about those you know, the organization being able to understand where you're going, right? What does that look like? What is everyone's roles? Where does everyone sit? How does that communicate it to? And I think there's so much value, Genevieve, being able to bring everyone together. Um, and like you said, like, for me, well, not you, but for me personally, it's like, I know it's a little bit of an extra cost, like, because uh, a lot of my guys are still contractors, not employees per se. And so for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to pay, do you know what I mean, however many people to come into a meeting. And I'm still, do you know what I mean, but it's a cost I'm prepared to have because, yet people are talking, they're laughing again, and they're solidifying those other relationships that they've made, do you know what I mean? Almost, you know, via Slack or Basecamp or whatever you're utilizing, right? So I can't emphasize, I too agree that the power of these meetings, again, outlined and productive and you know what everyone's there for, can be so beneficial to the group. And I just, you just reminded me of um, recently I put together an org chart, right? And I was like, okay, we don't have an organizational chart. It's like, well, how, I mean, I, that just seems so corporate, right? You have an organizational chart. So I thought, let me just put this together. Okay, and I'll put it in our strategic doc. And I was like, oh, everyone's going to like, what is this? Okay, whatever. The It was such a silly assumption on my part because one of the recent hires, one of our recent engineers, uh, when I was kind of interviewing him after saying, you know, how's it been your first uh, month here and stuff, like, oh, that was really helpful because I like to see where everyone's placed in the company. I'm like, oh. Duh, of course yeah. <laughs> like it yeah. makes total sense so don't underestimate those you know maybe more traditional things that you can transfer over if you are making the transition from a more corporate or traditional brick and mortar physical space to a remote team those things have value you know mm-hmm. you don't have to completely abandon those because now we're all in our jimmy jams and online and- <laughs> totally and i too you know it's because really i bought the book traction ages ago but it wasn't until when i was on my way to the mail dives for my mastermind that i read it from front to cover and then like just consumed like it was like yep yeah because I'm ready for it. But I too then, do you know what I mean, in the last six to eight months have mapped out our organizational structure, what it looks like, where people fit. And it's it's not only, I think, been helpful like when I interview people also, but also just for the fact like my own peace of mind, right? I see the moving pieces. I see where we're going. That again, I, I was so resistant to do it because I too felt, oh, this feels so much like what I've been, like I call it the cult. Do you know what I mean? It felt like too corporate, right? How dare I bring it in? But it was actually really... Um, it's powerful is not the right word. Liberating is not the right word, but it was like calming maybe is the word because it was like, ah, everything that was in the head was written down. Does that make, I don't know if I'm making sense or not, but it was like, ah, and then you're like, oh, this is actually, we are moving forward. It's not just something that's, you know what I mean? In my brain. So I, I too agree that there's value. So really for you, you know, the key ingredients that you guys have found in running a remote team is making sure that again, you've got the right tools that you need and that you're being clear about what tools you have. You just don't have 50 different tools and no one knows how to utilize them. You know, making sure that you've got your SOPs in play. That's another thing. I'm actually just hiring someone right now. We've got a little bit, but we need to do it better and make sure we're utilizing them. So I too am actually just hiring someone to tighten that for us. Obviously communication, your daily communication is important, your weekly communication, and then obviously your live, you know, mean face-to-face communication has been equally super important for you guys. I would also ask us how important has it been or are you guys, do you do things to invest in your team? Like are you upskilling the team members? Are you doing certain courses for them? Like like what what are your thoughts about that? Oh, no, that's that's a really um, a good point. So one of the benefits where you do save money is that you can reinvest it into the team. So one of the things that we can offer our team is um, personal development. They can take courses that they're interested in. Um, so right now our content writer is really um, upping his game in SEO and he wants to learn more. And it's like, can I just shoot you guys, you know, some, some courses that I want to take? 100%. Um, so definitely allowing them for professional development, giving them access to, remember, our... Um, podcast editor Carl we gave him access to lynda.com so he could um when it was Linda, um, <laughs> like different, we want we upskilled him in video editing from audio editing. So he learned how to uh, edit videos, which we've needed for the for Webinar Ninja. So definitely giving them the sense that they can continue to learn 
and grow and move across the, the company. So, for example, my customer support manager, CJ, she was one of the team members just on, on the support team and just being able to watch her progress as she's taken and step up as she's taken on the management uh, role in that team has been awesome. I sent her books, um, you know, just definitely, definitely um, making sure that, that, that your team is constantly growing is really important because mm-hmm. even more so when they're remote, they need to feel like the company is is growing and they're growing as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, cool. I just didn't know what your thoughts were because I know with the girl that I've just hired from Canada, she, um, I've just bought her like an Instagram intensive course with Cherie from Digital Picnic. I'm like, like, you're going to do it. And and the cool thing is, is this girl, she's a registered nurse by trade. She doesn't have a lot of online experience, but she's got such a great personality that I'm like, in my opinion, you can train a lot of people, right? Uh, So she's like, but she gets it. She's like, yep, too easy. So like I bought her that course. One of my VAs came with me to a local event down in Melbourne. So I too try where we, you know, are discussing what do they need to be working on? What is that? I too try and invest where I can because again I think it's important to yeah to understand what they need and how do I help them to do that so no so that's yeah I was curious to know what your thoughts were now for those listeners out there that are like okay maybe I don't have to go local maybe I can go remote what would you say is the first thing you would want them to do if they were looking at hire starting to build their own remote team I say make that first remote hire yeah just, just do hire. it just hire one person. I think, and then if that's not, I don't want that to sound like a cop out. I think probably doing an inventory, and this is how we got to hiring our EA. So I literally listed down all the activities I do for the hundred dollar MBA for Webinar Ninja, looking at those activities and classifying them in terms of. Um, we have a coach Dan Martell, and this this is this comes from him. He's absolutely awesome. Um, breaking them up into ten dollar tasks, hundred dollar tasks thousand dollar time. Yes. I've been talking about this too, that sometimes people are hiring and they're not actually 20 or $40 tasks. Do you know what I mean? They're actually 10 or $20 tasks. Exactly. That's a, just a brilliant um, way to look at the things that take up your time. Look at the things that you're actually doing it objectively. It's kind of an objective way. Like is, should I be doing this task? If it's a $10 task, I shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think as soon as you list all those, maybe that first hire is an EA that can help you manage your calendar, your inbox, um, re- you know, do outreach for your uh, sponsorship ad- advertising. Just basically r- writing down all those tasks and seeing what would be the first thing that maybe I don't like doing as well, I don't enjoy, or maybe I'm not so good at. That, that's another way to categorize them. Um, the, all these tasks and then just making that first uh, remote hire and out and, and beginning to outline those SOPs because then as soon as the second person comes on board, you can just see it all play out like, oh, you know, it, it was worth the time to actually invest in, in outlining those SOPs because that, that person can just fly. And, it's, and that person can fly, but also if you hire and that person doesn't work out, right? It doesn't feel like such a burden to have to then go interview again because you know, like once they're hired, everything's there just for them to be able to, you would hope to kind of transition in. Obviously you still have to guide them and support them, but it's just a lot easier. But if you're like, damn, I've got to, I'm going to have to talk to them and I'm going to have to do this and this and that. And then you're just like, screw it. I'll just do it myself. Right. So I've been getting some of my clients just to be able to, um, uh, in between our um, coaching sessions, as I say to them, can you write out one thing that's in your head and the steps that need to go with it? Like start with one. Cause sometimes businesses I find they're like, there's 80,000 things that I'm doing. I just, it's too overwhelming. I just keep it in my head. I'm like, just do one a week. You can do one a week and it doesn't have to be perfect. You're just like mapping it out. You've got it in a Google doc. I don't care where you have it. Is your brain space in itself feels so much lighter, you know, like things are a lot more achievable, but the longer we hold on to stuff in our head, I just feel like it's actually stopping us from the growth. Almost. I feel like sometimes we sabotage ourselves because it's like, I'm the only one that can do it. I'm, you know, I've got all the goods. Oh, guilty of that. (laughs) I can't tell you. And for those listeners that want to connect with you, and obviously Omar wasn't on today, but where can they connect with you and find out a little bit more about what you guys do and how you guys potentially can support them in their own, do you know what I mean, business journey? 
Oh, sure. I mean, they can definitely subscribe to the podcast or have a listen to an episode of the $100 MBA show. That's um, definitely, um, they're welcome to consume that with those hundreds and thousands, thousands. We're like- Literally. <laughs> yes. Omar recorded his 1500th episode just the other day. So that is crazy. Uh, lots of business lessons there for free to consume. Um, it, and if anyone does want to, uh, you know, dip their toe into, into webinars, um, you know, we have a, every week we run a live workshop, which is just a demo of Webinar Ninja so they can see it in action. So if they just go to webinarninja.com slash workshop, there's every week there's a new uh, webinar to sign up for and you can just check out Webinar Ninja in action and, you know, if it suits your needs and if it's something you want to get into. Uh, we answer, Omar basically stays on and we answer every question until there's no questions left. <laughs> Dude, so fun. That's what I love about you guys is you guys are very much about the people, you know, it's not all businesses are like that. So it's always good to see you guys, do you know what I mean, doing that. Now for the my final question is, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started in business? Oh, I see that question's really, you know, I always think about that question, but it's changed so much now. Mm-hmm because of the landscape that we're in. Yes. Um, so it's actually really, it's an interesting one for me. Bec- and this, this, I don't want to sound trite, but I feel like right now in the space that we're in, we've been very lucky with Webinar Ninja. Mm-hmm. People are flocking to, um, you know, software like ours to, you know, to be able to to move their business and so you know do offer their products and services online. So I feel and I want to say oh business is all about luck because it's definitely not that. But I think what I wish I'd known is just putting all those being just confident that all the systems that you put in place and the things that are really important to you and being true to yourself. So you know people are in, it's one of our values, like taking care of our team and our customers. That's, that's been one value of my, of ours that I don't compromise on, mm-hmm. um, you know, being, being transparent and honest with our communication. If those values are there, then there's a lot of other things in your business that you can't control. So, mm-hmm. if, you know, I, I just, yeah, having, having the right foundation in place um, is more important than the product being perfect right then and there in that moment or getting enough sales or hitting those, you know, growth goals that you, that you want to, that you want to hit this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that kind of gives me a little bit more comfort that there's a lot of things you can't control, but what you can control, uh, you know, your values, your company culture, the way you show up as a leader mm-hmm. and working on those is, is really important. I don't want to sound like I'm philosophizing here cause I'm not. <laughs> But I know what you're saying. And listen, you know, anyone who knows me kind of knows that one of the things that I'm about is about developing the foundational framework you need to grow your business up. And one of the first exercises I have pretty much any one of my clients do is going back to their core values. And what do those values look like? And how are they going to be integrated or not? Do you know what I mean? Into the business. Because if you know those core foundations and what you really stem off of, do you know what I mean? It is quite easy to understand, oh, that person isn't right for the job because they don't fit within the values right? Or that decision doesn't quite feel right. And so, I mean, there's a lot more layers about what foundational elements I feel, but knowing your values and equally understanding your why, why the hell are you doing this? Do you know, like, what does this mean? Because if you, if you don't know those values and the why, I do think it's really hard do you mean to come up with a good product because you could come up with a product, but is it a good product? Well, I don't know if you don't love it and you're just creating it just to create it, you're probably going to have trouble selling it later on. So again, by understanding those values and the why I do believe it's not easy. Please note, I'm not saying that all of a sudden you're a millionaire in two weeks time. It still takes work and dedication and consistency and all that and showing up. But I do think it, it guides for you for everything else. And it makes it easy to pivot. And now more than ever, just being flexible and agile and we're seeing businesses pivot, I think that puts you in so much more of a kind of disaster-proof mentality because you're clear on those values. It's like, it's okay. Maybe this is not working out now, so let me shift and let me do this. So. Yeah. yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing. And for the rest of you, before we sign off, just a reminder that my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. We'll make sure that we include the links to Webinar Ninja, the podcast, the $100 MBA and all that there too. So you guys can connect with Nicole and Omar after. And as I mentioned earlier, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to share it, especially over on Instagram stories and tagging me at Angela Henderson Consulting. And if you haven't already subscribed or left a review, I'd also equally love that too. But thanks 
again so much for being on the show today, Nick. I really appreciate it. Give Omar a big hug for me. And for the rest of you, have a fabulous day no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Have a good day, Nick. Thanks, you too. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au